What you see is what you get. Hello, my name is Pastor Chris Miller, and I am your host on the PC Speaking Podcast, where we are equipping Christians for life. Hello, and welcome back to the PC Speaking Podcast, where we are equipping Christians for life. Thank you again for taking the time to listen. I certainly appreciate your patronage, so to speak, if you want to call it that. Glad you're here. We are back in our series, Relationships 101. Past couple of weeks, we've been talking about the marriage covenant, relationship between husbands and wives. Today, we are moving on to the relationship between parents and children. In my family, um, we live in a house uh, actually on the water here on the Gold Coast of Australia in a suburb called Carrara, and we live my wife, Christina, and I, we live with our family. Uh, we live with uh, our daughter and our son-in-law, Dylan, our son, Samuel. But we all have our own space. It's actually a very nice home that we share together. And our kids are amazing. They work very hard. They pick up the lion's share of the rent, allowing my wife and myself to live in an amazing house on the water. Each morning, my wife and I go out behind our house and there's a step we sit on next to the water near the boat dock. And we sit and we have coffee each day. It's a real blessing to be able to do that. We sit in the sun by the water. It is very, very nice. Um, and we sit out there. We enjoy our coffee together. We see fish sometimes. The occasional uh, stingray wanders by. We've even seen a shark out there. Not a very big one, but uh, we've seen a shark. Ducks and swans come to visit. We had a pair of uh, black swans wander into our yard the other morning while we were out there having coffee, and they had a, a a young one with them who was still all fuzzy and kind of gangly, and they wandered up so close to us that we could have reached out and touched them. So it's pretty cool to get to sit out there and do that each morning. And it all sounds very nice, but there is one caveat to all of this, and that is our dog, Trooper. Trooper uh, was raised as a guide dog by my wife, Christine. And to make a long story, or a very long story short, he lives with us permanently. And that's unusual that that happens, but with Trooper, it did happen. He's a yellow lab. He's a very handsome dog. He was uh, on a calendar uh, for guide dogs. He was on a scratcher lottery ticket, a very photogenic pooch. Trooper's now 13 years old, so he's getting up in years for a lab but my wife has taken amazing care of Trooper. So he is very healthy and he still runs and plays like a puppy, has a great time. And when they when he was being raised as a guide dog, and I, they do this with all of them, he had a jacket that he would wear while he was training. Maybe you've seen him out in public. They wear their little orange jacket. When they're training, when the jacket's on, they're working. When the jacket is off, they are not working. And they know this. And Trooper, our lab. He hasn't worn a jacket in many years. So I think in his mind, he's off all the time. So his level of obedience tends to coincide with his mood on a given day. My wife often gives him a letter grade after he goes for his walks. And I think maybe the highest he's ever had was a B and he usually averages probably a solid D plus. Obedience really isn't his strong suit at this point in life. And our backyard where we go out and have coffee in the morning isn't fenced. 
And if we take Trooper out with us and he's not kept in check, he will wander all over the place. He'll bark, he'll go do his business in the neighbor's yard and, well, generally make a nuisance of himself. He can even get himself into trouble, possibly even danger if we don't keep a close eye on him. He's a very friendly dog. He loves to play. He loves people, and he especially loves little kids. He's very gentle with little toddlers and things like that. He's amazing with little kids, but... As he has gotten older, his obedience has become somewhat abysmal, and it was never really that great to begin with. But unfortunately for Trooper, the lack of fence means if he's going to come out with us for morning coffee, he usually has to be on a leash, which is unfortunately very restrictive for him. You know, if we had a fence, he could wander freely within the boundaries of the fence, but we don't, so he's stuck on a leash. He could also wander freely if he would listen to commands, which he well, very often chooses not to do. He could even wander freely if he could discipline himself to set his own reasonable boundaries and stay in the yard. But unfortunately, that's not something he does. Boundaries and discipline provide freedom. And in our backyard, unfortunately, we don't have the boundary of offense. Trooper isn't going to discipline himself or listen well to command. So, Unfortunately, he has to be on a leash. Now, people often equate freedom with being able to live a life without boundaries and without discipline, but that's just not true. Discipline and boundaries actually provide freedom. Think about providing discipline and boundaries with your own health. If you take good care of yourself, discipline yourself about uh, what you eat, put boundaries around the things you will eat, discipline yourself to exercise, that's going to provide you with freedom because chances are you're going to have good health. And obviously, we know that's not always the case. But if you discipline yourself and set boundaries for yourself, you're probably going to have far more freedom than if you don't. Boundaries provide many good things. Freedom, trust, and as we've been talking about, God's boundaries provide for the best possible relationships. Today, we're specifically talking about the relationship between parents and children from Ephesians chapter 6. In this passage of scripture, we've been going through Paul's giving instructions for households and talking about the boundaries of the relationships in a healthy household. Let's read your scripture and then we'll talk more some uh, more about it. It's Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And this is what it says. Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and you may live long in the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now these are, I suppose these, you could say this is a pretty familiar passage of scripture or someone's been a Christian for a while, been around church for a while, they probably heard these. And we're talking about the relationship between parents and kids, a very special relationship. Remember how we talked about the family is built on the marriage covenant. The relationship a married couple has with their children is built on the foundation of the marriage covenant. If there's love and peace and respect in the marriage covenant, that's probably going to translate into love and peace and respect within the family unit. Like we've talked about the last couple of weeks, invest in your marriage, stay within God's good boundaries and make it strong. And that will give you a strong foundation upon which to build a family. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, 
Someone listening, maybe a single parent, maybe you come from a different family situation, um, and that's not unusual today at all. There's all kinds of different scenarios where someone might fulfill the role of a parent. They might fulfill the role of a single parent. A lot of different family situations like that. And I just want to recognize that I recognize that. And just because you aren't in a traditional family unit doesn't mean that you won't find something useful in that. Uh, There's a lot of principles for anyone to apply in this passage that we're talking about today. Matter of fact, it's great for an entire group of people in a church to hear what we're talking about today. Um, I remember the birth of both of my children quite clearly. I remember when uh, my daughter was born, I, I was so clueless. I had no idea what to do. I wanted to be a dad. Um, I wanted to take on that responsibility, but I just... I was clueless about it. I remember picking uh, my daughter and my wife up at the hospital and the nurse had to show me, help me put the child seat in the car because I just didn't know what I was doing. And my daughter would probably agree with that as she was growing up. Then my son comes along a few years later and you know I maybe had a little better idea then, but I was still pretty clueless. But even when you're clueless, you know you don't have to be super knowledgeable to be a decent parent. Um, And even when you're clueless, you love your kids. When a child's born, you you just bond with your kid. A mother mother does especially. Um, God blesses parents and children with a special bond. And unless there's something really severely wrong, parents love their kids and kids love their parents. And that's a great place to start that relationship. And that's really one of the boundaries God blesses us with is that love between parents and kids, that, that puts us in a good place. And, and that helps us establish other boundaries. If we don't have that love first, it's going to be you know, it's going to be tough to establish right boundaries, but we want to stay within the boundaries to have the best relationships possible. And in our passage, Paul talks about boundaries for children first. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. The second word in that verse is obey. That's another one of those abrasive words that tend to get under our skin. Wives submit, children obey. Um, you know, Trooper doesn't like those words either. And husbands are instructed to love their wives. And it sounds like husbands get off easy until we grasp their responsibility of loving their wife like Christ loved the church and gave his life up for it, gave himself for it. And Biblically, loving your wife is giving up your life sacrificially for her. So it's actually, it's a pretty big undertaking for everyone involved, husbands, wives, and children. But Paul writes in this particular passage that we're talking about today, children obey. Children obey. Now, what does that mean? When you were young, maybe you still are young, when we hear the word obey, Many adults probably think this as well. We might think of doing what we're told and likely doing so without question, doing so without giving any of our own feedback, so to speak. No back talking, nothing like that. You just do it because I said so. We sometimes conflate obedience with begrudgingly just doing what we're told. That's not really obedience though. That's more just being under subjection and the two are different. 
they might feel similar at times. There may be some crossover, but it's good for parents to understand the difference and differentiate between subjection and obedience. You take our relationship with God, for instance. We do our best to live in obedience to God, but we are not under subjection. We choose obedience, or sometimes we might choose disobedience. In the garden, Adam and Eve weren't under subjection. God gave them the ability to choose. They eventually chose disobedience. Sometimes people wonder, you know, why was that? Why did God even put the tree in the garden? And if he wouldn't have put it there, they would have never sinned and things would have remained perfect forever. But God gives us the ability and allows us to make our own choices. And without the tree, there wouldn't be any freedom there to do that. And without the tree... Adam and Eve would be living under subjection, not choosing obedience, even though they made a mess of it, even though we make a mess of it. What does the word obey mean? Well, in the original language, it, the word is uh, hupakuo, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that exactly right, and I don't want people to think I'm trying to make myself sound smarter than I am or know more than I actually do. I'm not exactly an expert in Bible languages, but I, you know, I know more than the average bear and I know how to use the tools. Obey in Greek is a verb with a preposition on it. The basic verb is obey and it means to hear. And the preposition is under. So the word obey as used in this context means to hear under. And being connected with the parents means to hear under the parents. Listen to them. To hear under their authority. Very similar language to Ephesians 5.22, which we were in recently. Wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. The language is very similar. The wife must answer that call in submission to the Lord. She must play an active role in that or it's not going to work. And how this is applied and works out when we say children obey your parents, is obviously going to change with the age of the child and the disposition of the individual kid. But still, it's good for them to learn from a very young age that according to this verse, they play an active role in the parent-child relationship. This verse is written to children. That means teaching kids that they play an active role in their relationship with their parents. Hopefully, it's not just under subjection but it's chosen obedience. Sometimes subjection may need to be what happens with kids, but it's really, you want to lead them into obedience. And I remember conversing with my son when he was younger about things he may have wanted to do, but I didn't think were a good idea. And the reason I knew that is because there was a time in my life when I ruled as the king of stupid decisions. And I wanted him to avoid the negative consequences that come with bad decisions. There was a time or two when he really didn't understand why I didn't want him to do something, but he said, okay, I'm going to trust you. And that's a really good example or illustration of what this verse is talking about when it says, children, obey your parents. Another advantage we had in our family was that when the kids asked to do something or wanted something, my wife, Christine, would reason things out from the position of, is there any good reason to say no? 
And if there wasn't a good reason, she wouldn't say no. Now, as a dad, as dads often do, I tend to lean towards an automatic no. Can I do this? No. And I needed to think that through a little more. I've, I could certainly have done a better job when my kids are younger. Um, but we have a good relationship now. And of course, I'm, I'm still working on it. And my wife would say yes if she didn't have a good reason to say no. There may have been reasons to say no, but she said yes if they weren't good reasons. In regards to verse one, remember this is instruction for young people. Paul didn't say, parents, subject your kids to your authority. He said, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Obeying parents in submission to the Lord is a righteous decision. So if you are a young person, this verse is for you. I think that is so cool. What a great thing to teach your kids. Check out this Bible verse. This is specifically for you. This is written to you. This is a call from God for you. When you make, when you decide to obey your parents, when you listen to their authority, you make a righteous choice that pleases God and he will bless that. And that's what verse two is talking about. And a parent does their best to help a child learn how to navigate the world within God's boundaries. And the child's part of the relationship is doing their best to listen to and heed what the parent says. And if, as a young person, you work together with your parents, your life is going to be much better than it would be otherwise, as verse 2 says, so that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Remember, we've talked about this before, I believe, but relationships can exist outside of God's boundaries and the relationship's inside of God's boundaries may not be perfect, but they will be the best that they can be. And a parent and kids, or both parents and kids, or someone in a parental position and kids can work together on this. Now, let's talk about the parent's role in that. You don't have to know everything about being a parent to be a good parent, but there are a couple of keys. There are obviously many keys. One is make your child's well being a priority. And that seems pretty obvious, but as you do that and you do that intentionally, it will show your children that obeying you is a worthwhile endeavor because you care about their well-being. And as a kid, you think, I know my parents care about my well-being and what I eat, how I behave, all those things. And the funny thing about that is when we do that intentionally, and care about a kid's well-being. It seems obvious and just kind of common sense, but I don't think we give young people enough credit in that. They aren't knowledgeable about many things. They don't have wisdom yet to rightly apply knowledge, um, but they are smart. Just because they haven't been around a while to collect a bunch of information doesn't mean they're dumb. And they are very, very perceptive. Parents think they can hide things from kids, but it's, it's hard, a lot harder than you think it is to do that. If they perceive that you care about them, it will help them fulfill their biblical calling of living in obedience to you and the Lord. Now, the next key to right parenting is teaching the right boundaries. As we talked about Trooper, you know, he has to be put on a leash because he just can't seem to control himself and set boundaries for himself. So, you know, he ends up living his life on a leash. But there's freedom and security within boundaries. Here's an example you can start with at a very young age. And I know people will feel differently about this, but this is something we did in our home that, that worked for us. And I know 
Yeah, people see it differently, but that's okay. And one thing we did in our home is the kids never slept in our bed. And personally, I think that's wise. It does a few things. It prioritizes your marriage covenant. This is mom and dad's bed. This is our space. You have your space. You have your own bed. If you start there, it's a good place to start to teach about boundaries. It's a good place to show that they exist, that they're important. It's an easy place to start. But if you try to change it later, it will be far more difficult if you don't win the battles with your toddler and you don't set boundaries with your two-year-old, of course, they have to be age-appropriate. But if you don't do that when they are small, you are setting yourself up for failure when they become a teenager. You're not going to be able to do it when they get older. You have to do it when they're small. And I might even say that if you wait until they're a teenager to try to start teaching them boundaries and discipline, it may very well be too late. So, and I think this is a great way to teach that, to begin teaching that from a very young age. Parents have their own bed. Kids have their own bed. Our kids also knocked on our bedroom door before they entered. Again, it's an easy thing to teach when they are small. Knock on the door, wait to be invited in. It's the polite thing to do. It's an easy way to begin at a very young age to teach that boundaries exist, that they matter, and that your marriage covenant is important. One more parenting key before we move on to other things. Put a boundary around the truth. How do you do that? You do that by telling the truth. So many parents lie to their kids. A lot of parents do that. They do it all the time. Lie to their kids. Don't lie to your kids. Tell the truth. Of course, there are some things that are going to be age appropriate, but don't lie. You know, you can you can tell the truth and not necessarily inform them of things that are not appropriate for their age. Don't lie, tell the truth. Every adult, a parent or not, shouldn't lie to other people. You certainly shouldn't lie to little kids or big kids. You shouldn't lie to teenagers. People think kids don't know when they lie, but they do know. I guarantee you they know they're way more perceptive than we realize. When you lie, you teach kids a few things. One is they can't always believe what you say. They don't, they don't feel like they can trust you. And that's going to make heeding what you say, obeying your authority, far more difficult because they don't know if you're being honest. When people lie to kids, they learn that telling the truth, eh, it's really not that important. It doesn't matter that much. And if you're not telling them the truth, can you fairly and reasonably expect them to tell you the truth? Kids are going to lie at some point. They just do. Every kid lies. You know you did when you were a kid. I did when I was a kid. Probably to keep themselves out of trouble. I used to do that all the time. I lied yeah, as a kid. I lied as a lot as a young adult. It wasn't until I met my wife that I decided I was going to start telling the truth. And I don't know why that was exactly, but when I met her, I decided, you know, I'm going to try to be as truthful as I can. And it, it was, I'm, I have no idea uh, other than God working in my life at the time that uh, prompted me to decide that, but I'm so glad I did now. Now, if your kid lies to you, how hypocritical is it to call them out on their lie or punish them if you've been lying to them? What will they think if they know that you lie to them, but you punish them for lying? Which, if a parent does, kids probably know, which leads us to verse four, which says, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. 
uh, I'm reading from the MEV or Modern English Version of the Bible. I think we should call them translations and not versions, but whatever. Just in case you're curious, it's the MEV. Um, if you don't teach your kids that it's important to heed what you say and why it is important and teach them, this is really important, teach them to establish reasonable and sensible, sensible boundaries for themselves, they will likely end up like a uh, trooper, our dog, living on a leash because they can't set boundaries for themselves. Maybe a financial leash because they don't know how to set boundaries around spending or discipline their spending. Maybe a relationship leash because they are afraid to put boundaries around their relationship and their own life. Could be a health leash because they uh, haven't learned to discipline themselves in regards to what they eat and exercise and put boundaries around their health. Might be an emotional leash. Or it could be the case if they are uh, very poor at setting boundaries and disciplining themselves, the authorities might put them on a leash. And I saw a guy the other day was wearing one of those uh, ankle bracelets that's a tracker that the police put on people. And I was thinking, that guy's living life on a leash. What does it mean to provoke your children to wrath? It means to exasperate them, to provoke them to anger. One of the worst ways to do that, I think, and I, I really believe this is clearly evil, is to not teach them boundaries, to not discipline them. It's a good way to provoke your children to wrath. This verse is pointed at fathers specifically because, you know, and dad is kind of normally the enforcer. And to be weak and soft with discipline and boundaries as a father is just straight up evil. I don't even know how to say it. Being weak and passive with your children is one of the most selfish and harmful things you can do. The point of this whole series is that God sets boundaries for us and inside of those boundaries is the best way to live. They're good, they're right. And when we live inside those boundaries, you know, our lives aren't going to be perfect, but they will be the best they can be as we navigate life in a broken world. You'll find freedom inside of those boundaries. As a father, bringing children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord is to do for our children what God does for us. Instruct them on those boundaries. Teach them why they are good and right. Teach kids to discipline themselves and set their own boundaries. The worst thing a parent can do is leave children to figure things out for themselves. Now, you know, I've heard parents say, we're just going to let our kids decide for themselves or to work things out for themselves. And what that says to your kid is, I have no wisdom at all. I'm completely useless to you and I have nothing to offer you, which causes them stress, anxiety. There's no security in that. And I think sometimes the reasons parents might say that. I think it comes partly from a place of fear, maybe fear of messing something up, uh, an unwillingness to say what is right and good, to be decisive in that, an unwillingness to instruct and provide boundaries because a parent is afraid kids won't like them and they don't want to deal with their kids getting upset. But the fact is, is the less you set boundaries and discipline, the more they're going to get upset. Their kids are always pushing for boundaries. They're always looking for them. And a father who doesn't discipline and instruct his children is weak and cowardly. I'd question if he even loves his children. And I think many people sometimes miss that if you don't provide the essentials of discipline, establish boundaries for your children, and in the process, teach them to discipline themselves 
and establish their own boundaries. Do you know what's going to happen if you don't do that for your kids? If you don't teach them to establish their own boundaries, to discipline themselves, something or someone else will impose boundaries on your children and they will become a slave to that thing. Like we said, they'll end up living on a leash, financial leash, a relationship leash. Even the authorities may put them on a leash. When we talk about discipline and instruction and setting boundaries, as with many things, something really important to understand in all of this is it involves balance. It requires nuance, wisdom, sensibility, all of those things. We are setting boundaries within which there is freedom, not putting kids on a leash. We're teaching them to obey, not placing them under subjection. The commands found in this passage, along with many others throughout Scripture, can be applied in a legalistic, militant, and even abusive way. And spiritual abuse is a very real thing. And it's uh, something that uh, church folks, Christians, we do not need that. It's not something you want happening in your home, and your church. And there can be a toxic spiritual culture in a family. Uh, I visited a few churches where the entire church has a toxic spiritual culture. So as parents, and Paul is specifically talking to fathers in this passage, we are to raise children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, but not provoke them to wrath. Discipline and instruction are not a leash. We can provoke children to wrath by making the boundaries too narrow, being too harsh with our discipline. Boundaries that are too tight, too small, are really just another form of a leash. You know, my dog, Trooper, our dog, my wife's dog, he's probably her dog, Borny is mine. He loves my daughter, Caitlin, too. Those are his two favorites. Trooper has these issues, but my wife is always willing to give him room to fail. Yeah, uh, but... When she does that, it's not outside the boundaries of safety. She might let him run loose, but she's going to keep a close eye on him so he can't get himself in trouble and hurt himself. And when we are setting boundaries, I think this is a kind of a good rule of thumb, you could say, is that there needs to be enough room within boundaries to fail safely. Enough room within boundaries to fail safely. And that's going to, you're as a parent, you're going to have to work that out, what that is for your kid. I really can't give you anything specific on that. This is a very much situation specific. It's very much person, parent, child specific. But there needs to be enough room within boundaries to fail safely. Boundaries that are too restrictive can provoke children to anger. That said, when you give discipline and instruction and set boundaries with the children, they're still going to get angry, even if you do it well. They're going to get mad. Kids get mad. They throw fits. That's just what kids do. But them getting angry is not the same thing as provoking them to anger. If it is truly the discipline and instruction of the Lord, you got to be careful with that. Okay, We can't get too heavy-handed with discipline and boundaries and place unnecessary burdens on them. But if it's truly the discipline and instruction of the Lord that makes them angry and not the parent, that's okay. Let them get angry. Big deal. Lead them into obedience, not subjection. And I've talked about how I approach what I do when I 
speak. And when I speak in front of a group of people, when I'm putting out a podcast, I've talked about how I approach scripture and how if something I say provokes someone, it should be the scripture doing that and not me. Same same thing when you're parenting. If it's the discipline and instruction of the Lord that makes a kid angry, well, that's okay. But it shouldn't be the parent provoking them to anger. Um, one last thought. We've all seen kids who've grown up, left church, have things to say about church that are not nice. That may be you. Um, I've kind of been down that road myself at one point. A few kids, people, adults are just prone to that. Some of them that just, I don't know. I don't know why it is. I can't really figure it out, but they're just like that. They're prone to just, I don't like church. I'm out of it. I was horrible experience. I hate it, whatever, whether it was or not, even if they had good parents. But the fact is, is that most people are not like that. And when we talk about this raising children, not provoking them to wrath, you can find these same instructions in the book of Colossians, almost word for word. But Colossians adds something though. It says this, it says, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And I think that really adds a lot of color to what we're talking about. A couple synonyms for discourage from one of my Bible dictionaries are burden and weigh down. Don't weigh them down or burden them with unnecessary things. I think that goes along well with my wife's philosophy of parenting that said, well, if there's not a good reason to say no, I'm not going to say no. Jesus you know, said something similar about Pharisees and then placing burdens on the people of Israel, unnecessary heavy burdens. And the definition of discourage is to cause a loss of confidence or enthusiasm. Additions to the discipline and instruction of the Lord will lead to that a loss of confidence, a loss of enthusiasm. But for what? Well, a loss of confidence and enthusiasm for obedience, a loss of confidence in parents, a loss of enthusiasm for church, and worst of all, a loss of confidence and enthusiasm for the Lord and for the things of God. God has given parents especially fathers, a lot of authority. And it should be wielded very gently, very carefully, with the least amount of force possible to give discipline and instruction, to set boundaries, and to teach obedience. I had a conversation recently with a young man through social media, and uh, he was in, had been discouraged. He was discouraged by his, and it wasn't by his parents, but it was, by the way, he an experience he'd had in a couple of different churches and the way they treated him. And we all play a part in this. If you're well, if you're a Christian, if you're involved in a church, it's important to remember that we all play a part in this. Remember, it's about learning to live in obedience, not being placed under subjection. And I've seen a lot of weird things happen in churches where people, I don't know, just overstep these boundaries, place burdens on kids that are far heavier than they should be. That's not what we're about. It's about teaching healthy boundaries so that they can live freely and not on a leash. And some things matter, some things don't. But we're not here to place unnecessary burdens on people. We're not here to place boundaries that are too restrictive. And if your kids are still at home, you know, you can take these things, you can reply them with your children. Your situation may be different though. 
You know, I know everybody's in a different place. Your kids may be grown like mine. Sometimes we might feel that we really made a mess of things with our kids at times. And I know there was times when my kids were growing up that I did some dumb things that I shouldn't have done. You know, maybe we put our kids on a leash instead of establishing good boundaries. And some people, your kids may be grown and we feel like we can't do anything at this point. Maybe they've uh, walked away from church and walked away from God and just have a bad taste in their mouth about it. And we might even feel a little guilt once we start to think about it, get a little older. Now, a great thing about the Bible and the commands and moral precepts of Scripture is that you know what happens if you didn't understand them or apply them properly yesterday? Well, that's it. You don't get another chance. Well, no, not at all. You start to apply them today. You don't wait till tomorrow, but you just pick, get up, dust yourself off, and start applying them as best you can now. And the great thing about what we're talking about today is that if you're a parent, you're always a parent. If you're a kid, you're always a kid. And it's a lifelong thing. And we apply these principles in whatever circumstance we might be in. And that's going to look different in different places. But we can always start now. Um, you know, if you have smaller, smaller kids, it probably looks more like teaching them discipline, teaching them boundaries, the things we've talked about, um, you know, winning those battles with your toddler, teaching them to discipline themselves and set their own boundaries. If your kids are grown and you were more about a leash and forcing subjection than teaching obedience and boundaries, what you do today may look more like lifting those boundaries removing those boundaries, talking about those things that maybe, you know, made, made your kids decide, I don't want anything to do with this anymore. It's never too late to swallow your pride and say, hey, I shouldn't have done that. I was wrong. I'm sorry. And you can do that. Even if your relationship with your kids is horrible, you can still do that. You can still do that. And it's good for you to do it. It may look like letting go letting kids set their own boundaries. I know there's a stage in life that parents and kids often go through where their kids are old enough to be doing their own thing, but the kids' parents are still trying to do it for them, and there's a bit of a struggle there. And maybe in your case, this parent-child relationship looks like letting go, letting kids set their own boundaries. Because remember, even Jesus, who actually has the power to do so, doesn't impose subjection. He doesn't force us to live life on a leash. He lets us live and make decisions. He gives us the opportunity for loving obedience. And he always loves us even when we sin, even when we get it wrong. And you're always a parent. You're always a child. You always have that relationship. And if you're a saved believer, you always have that relationship with Jesus. And the gospel is like a safety net that you know catches us when we sin, when we do things wrong. We... Choose obedience. That's what we want to do. And sometimes we choose not to do that. But we should choose obedience. And we need to give those in our family, our kids, enough room to do the same. And I'm going to be praying for you as you do that. I do pray for listeners each and every day. And I'm going to pray for your relationship with your family, with your kids, whatever situation you might be in in life. I'm going to pray that God will 
teach you, show you his boundaries, and that you'll do your best to live inside those boundaries because that's where you're going to find that life is best. And that's where you'll find the most freedom. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. Let me know what you think in the comments. Please consider subscribing and sharing this with someone who might find it helpful. 